Well, friends, we are in the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is wrapping things up, and he talks to us about judgment, which is something that all of us are fully capable of doing. Um, I want to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to study this word together. Gracious God, thank you for this good opportunity. Help us really, truly to do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. In general, people do not like it when other people point out their faults. Most married men, particularly those who want to stay married, know that when their wife asks, how do I look, it is a trap. And, and they proceed to answer with extraordinary caution. And, and even when we want to know things, we also kind of don't. So, for example, you want to know when you have broccoli stuck in your teeth, right? But you also kind of don't want to know because that means somebody's going to tell you, then you're going to have to admit that you had broccoli in your teeth, and then there's that awkward moment. It's only a few seconds, but you kind of got to address what, what has been brought to your attention. So there's times when we just really don't want to hear some things. And if we get a little bit agitated about the small things in, in everyday life, then we get super irritated when someone points out the big things where we've gotten off track. So one of the reasons that the followers of Jesus, even to this very day, struggle so much with the Sermon on the Mount is that at its core, Jesus simply spoke about things that people already knew to be true. They, they already knew this, they just didn't really want to address it. And again and again, Jesus starts not by introducing any kind of new information, he just says what the people already knew, what was already very common knowledge. So if you thought about him giving a sermon today, it would be him saying something like, you have heard it said that smoking can cause lung cancer. That's not new news. No one here is shocked that I said that. But Jesus would go on to say, but I say to you that not smoking could add years onto your life. He gives us something that, that we've been calling throughout this series a transformative initiative. Not that we just shouldn't do something, but really there's an action that we can do in place of it that's going to change us, that's going to draw us closer in our walk with Christ. So Jesus has addressed a multitude of issues, and we're reminded what not to do. He gives us an invitation to embrace these transforming initiatives, and so we've gotten to a place now where we have to decide something, and every one of us is going to have to decide it individually for ourselves. Are we going to tackle these issues in our own lives, or did we just spend the last four months listening to Pastor Hope give some really nice talks that we don't think apply to us? Now, to do that work, to actually do that transformative work, that, that's hard. Because it's hard to look at our own lives. It's hard to look at, look at our giving and, and realize that actually we're kind of stingy, selfish people. And it's hard for us to look at our relationships, particularly those that are broken, 
and acknowledge that, that we have a part in that brokenness. It's just hard. It's hard to look at the stuff of our own lives. And so what we do is we take a much easier route of examining and judging the lives of others. I mean, why deal with your own stuff when it's so much easier to address everybody else's stuff? Why look at your own ugliness when you can just look at everybody else's? And we all do this. Every one of us does this. We do this in regards to how people drive, how they eat, even how they parent. We judge externally and we judge internally. There's times when you can see our judgment and there's times when we're so great at hiding it on the inside. So you're driving down the road and we run into this very classic case here in Bradenton of someone deciding to make a left-hand turn from the right-hand turn lane. And that's the moment when you're sitting there in your car and you're thinking to yourself, and, and if you're like me, you're screaming it aloud and you say, you idiot, get off the road, which is all well and good until we get to last night when with my daughter in the car, I was that idiot making that left-hand turn from the right-hand turn lane, and gosh, it hurt. It hurt to realize that I had such a big log in my own eye. And of course, of course, not all of us, not all of us are as big as sinners as Pastor Hope. Some of us, we do our judgment internally. It's, it's kind of like when you're talking to your friend and they say to you, oh, you know, I let my eight-year-old go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. And you smile and you nod, but internally you're thinking, I would never let my child do that. See, some of us, some of us are really good Monday morning quarterbacks for things like Sunday night football games, but all of us like to Monday morning quarterback everybody else's life. And Jesus is telling us that, that we got to take a step back here and we got to examine our own lives before we launch out in judgment towards other people. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For the judgment that you make, um, you will be judged. And the measure with which you give will be the measure that you get. Now, think about this. Think about all the times that you've pronounced judgment on somebody. We'll just go with this last week, trying to keep it easy for everyone. What if you woke up tomorrow and all of the judgment that you have pronounced on everybody else around you was in turn heaped on you? Probably would not appreciate it as much as you appreciated it when you were giving it to everybody else. For the judgment with which you make, you will be judged, and the measure with which you give will be the measure with which you get. So why do you see a speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take that speck out of your eye when you have this log in your own eye? You can't even see clearly. If you have a log in your own eye, you can't even see clearly to figure out where that speck is in somebody else's life. And this is, this is a cool thing that Jesus did here. Remember he kept saying, even the Gentiles, even the Gentiles, even the Gentiles. Well, here he's so serious, he just skips the Gentile part and he says, you hypocrites. You hypocrites, first take that log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly so that you can take the speck out of somebody else's eye. Now, in part... In part, we like to look at this passage as a passage of self-reflection. We need to take stock of our own stuff. But it also has a lot to do with our presentation and how we relate to people around us and how we speak to them. 
I want to be clear about this. Jesus is not writing a free pass on all of our behaviors. He's, he's not saying that we all just turn away and we all look away and ignore what everybody else is doing. He's not even remotely suggesting that everyone gets to do whatever they want whenever they want. But there is a difference. There's a difference between what is called judgment and what is called accountability. And that difference is seen in how we handle our interactions with one another. When we judge others, we are typically not motivated by love, right? There's times when we like to judge other people, and it's not coming out of a place of genuine care and concern for them. For example, we feel no guilt or shame when we all of a sudden judge the performances of Olympic athletes. That's why every four years, all of us are experts in slalom skiing. And every other four years, we are all experts in gymnastics. We don't think twice about it because we don't genuinely love those people that we see on the television screen. Sometimes we don't even have an appreciation for the hard work and effort that goes into being able to compete at that level. So who are we? Who are we to be telling them how to do what they do better? When we genuinely seek to be held and, and to hold each other accountable, there's this greater likelihood that that's rooted in a personal relationship. And within that personal relationship, there is a genuine love and concern for somebody else. So if we have a friend who drinks excessively, and we decide to approach their, their alcoholism from a place of judgment, we're not going anywhere fast with this. Because judgment conveys that the verdict is final. The verdict is final, and the, at this point, change or transformation is completely impossible. Accountability, on the other hand, speaks softer and finds a better resting place on the heart. So there is a difference between saying to somebody, you are a drunk, and saying to somebody, you know, I don't think the bar is the best place to go tonight. Let's do something else. Now, understand, you're not fooling the drinker here. You're not going all politically correct on them. They know what you're doing. They know this. But your presentation helps them to receive your care and concern in a much better way than your judgment is going to. Because your presentation says, hey, I know what's going on in your life. I know that it's a battle. You don't have to do this alone. We will work on transforming this together. And being part of a transforming initiative is exactly what Jesus keeps modeling for us all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, it is way easier to pronounce judgment and just walk away. And to walk with somebody in an accountable way is going to take you much more effort. There is going to have to be an, a time investment. But one method just leaves people where they are, and one transforms them into people with potential. So this is why Jesus said, you got to get that log out of your own eye first. Because when you do that, when you look at your own life first, what you come to realize is all of us, all of us, fall short. 
I may not have your sin, but rest assured, I have plenty of sins of my own. And right there in that moment, when you can say that for yourself, when you can say, you know, I have sins, that's a moment when as followers of Christ, we have an opportunity to go about this differently than the rest of the world. Because once we recognize it in our own lives, and we confess it, and we can repent of it, and we start turning towards God, and out of that pit that we got ourselves into, if we can recognize that in our own lives, and recognize that forgiveness and redemption, then we're going to be able to approach others very differently in their places of sin because we know what that feels like. We know what it's like to have been in that place and to need somebody to walk with us. So instead of judging others, we're going to want to help them. We're going to want to help them move away from where they've been to a place of accountability. And it's not easy. It's not easy to escape sin. That's why we need to work with each other and to hold each other accountable because sin is super attractive. It is. It just keeps pulling us right back in. So we have to be walking together to get out. Judgment is when you see a man drowning and you announce, you are drowning. That's a judgment, right? You are drowning. I have decided the verdict is final. Accountability is when you continually throw out that life preserver until they can get back on to solid ground for themselves. Now, that being said, let's acknowledge that there are some people who just want to drown, at least in this particular season of life they do. And you probably know people like this. They know that what they're doing is wrong. They know that it is hurting their lives and others around them. They know that there are consequences to their actions. But for whatever reason, a reason that you will probably never know, they are unwilling or unable to address their issues and to seek the help that they're going to to need. So Jesus follows up on his statements about judgment by speaking about timing. He says, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. And what he means by this is that we have to be judicious in how we go about sharing the truth of Scripture with others, believers and non-believers alike. So last night, I am standing out there among the crowd at the DeSoto Parade. And right before it begins, there's this man. He's walking down the street, and he has one of those huge signs. And I know, I know you've been in places where you've seen these before. But it's this huge sign about repenting and turning to Jesus. And you need to do it right now. I mean, right now, before the parade starts, you need to do this. And I'm standing there with one of my friends, and, and she says to me, she's like, what do you, what do you think about that? And I said, you know, it's guys like him who make it really tough for people like me to share the good news. And, and know this, it's not that I disagree with him. I absolutely think that people need to repent and that they need to come to know Jesus and they need to have their lives transformed. But what I am not convinced of is that 
that exact moment, as everybody's standing there waiting for the crew of DeSoto to come down the street, I'm not sure that's the exact moment that you need to reach out for salvation. I'm just not positive about that. So here's this man, and, and he is so deeply convicted of his faith. He holds scripture in such high value that he felt compelled to go out there and, and to start throwing this out, much like all of those beads, to a bunch of people who at that particular moment are overwhelmingly uninterested and now probably somewhat annoyed. Jesus says, don't throw your pearls before swine. Don't give what is holy to dogs. And all this means is that scripture is so precious, so valuable that we should not waste it on those who are not going to appreciate it. Flashback to the parade last night. I did not meet a single person, and I think the newspaper said there was going to be like 200,000 people out there. I did not meet all 200,000, so this might not be a factually accurate assessment. But of the people that I, did, that I did get to meet last night, not a single one came up to me and said, I got up this morning, and I just, I felt like this was the day that I had to go to the parade so that I would hear the good news about Jesus Christ. Nobody said that to me. Because that's not what they were thinking when they were getting ready for a parade. It doesn't mean that all of these people are dogs and hogs. It means that the middle of a parade might not be the place that you need to throw out the values of Scripture. You might not get the greatest reception at that moment. That goes back to the heart of the gospel being rooted in relationship. God's relationship to us and to the world and our relationship with one another. If we're going to speak with any kind of authority into the lives of other people, we have to do that from a place of relationship. I, I spend a lot of time with other mothers who, who are mothers of special needs children. And that's how I got to meet Vanessa. Vanessa is one of the kindest, most compassionate mothers that I have ever met. She loves her little boy something fierce. But even with the abundance of grace that she has been gifted with, her exceptional dose of patience, there is one part of Vanessa's life where there is no gray. There is no gray whatsoever. And that place is when strangers tell her how she should be parenting her child. She got so tired of people assuming that he had bad behavior and that she was a failure as a parent that she went out and she bought a t-shirt, a t-shirt which she wears on a very regular basis. And this is what the t-shirt says. My child has autism. Your questions are appreciated. Your parenting advice is not. And all she's really saying is, you don't know my child. You don't know me. You don't know our situation. You have no authority whatsoever to speak into my life right now. Sharing the gospel is no different. We have to earn the right to speak truth 
into the lives of other people. And starting from a place of judgment does not help us to earn anything. Nor does ignoring the timing or the situation of what's happening around us. Because if we truly care about the gospel and we truly care about the people around us, then we will invest the time and the energy that it takes to walk with them until that moment when the Holy Spirit opens up that opportunity to share the good news and we have earned the right to speak into their life in a way that is going to bless them with grace and transformation, not judgment and condemnation. So here's the funny thing about the parade. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if that random guy was able to share the good news with anybody last night. But I was. Because the craziest thing happened. See, in the midst of all of those thousands of people walking around, there was one. There was one who I started walking with a really long time ago. And she's got a lot of questions. She's got a lot of questions about faith, and she saves them up for occasions like this. Occasions like the parade, when we're not in church, when we're not in a Bible study, when there's not a whole bunch of people that supposedly already know everything that there is to know about everything related to faith, where she's going to be judged. She wants to come talk to me about faith. And it's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because she and I have been walking together all these years. And so I have a relationship with her that affords me the opportunity to speak into her life. The guy that was walking up and down the street, she did not even want to look at him. See, self-reflection, that takes some time. Relationships take time. Accountability takes time. Repentance takes time. Redemption takes time. Judgment, that is super easy and quick. And that's why so many of us choose it, because we care so very little. Jesus tells us to take the time, because that's where we're going to see the real transformation come in. Let's pray together. Lord God, we, we confess we all do it. We all do it. We've probably done it this morning. We have judged others. We don't know their situation. We have no idea what's going on in their life, but somehow we have appointed ourselves experts and judges. Forgive us. Forgive us that. Compel us to look at our own lives, to see those places where we need to be transformed for your righteousness. We ask, Lord, that, that as we go out into the world this week, that we may look at our timing, that we may look at our relationships, that we may invest in the work instead of doing the very easy and very lazy, lazy, lazy work of judgment. In your name we pray. Amen.